welcome to the first episode of View from the Black Cab, the Apprentice podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me for this brand new podcast is the guy who's only on this podcast because he watches Bargain Hunt, Anthony Williams. Good evening. Good evening. And this is the like fifth new podcast that we've added in Awesome. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Something crazy. Oh, no. And all this British content as well. We've had enough of the uh, Americans taking over reality TV. We're taking back control. That's, that's what Brexit was all about, wasn't it? So, there we go. It's nice having another Brit on the podcast purely because I can actually talk about these shows. <laughs> Yay! We're both in the same time zone. We are. It makes planning so easy. I know. And there's at least one more coming at some point soon, I think. What, as in just after Christmas? As in just after Christmas, you are correct. Probably about New Year, actually. Uh, yeah, it was last year. I think it was the 1st of January last year, wasn't it? believe it was. So if we can get a regular schedule going with Marika, maybe we could have a visit to Vidim. Oh, yeah. That would be good. I've not actually checked the rumours for a while of where they've gone. They usually have leaked the location by now. I've not looked. I've, I've stayed well away from it. The rumour I heard was New Zealand, but I don't know whether that's confirmed or not. That would be nice. And from a selfish point of view, it'd be nice if they're in an English-speaking country. And also, we know that Vidim loves scenery porn. New Zealand would be great for them. Yeah, nothing nothing better than the Shire. And it's also freezing cold, so they wouldn't even have to pretend like they're not filming it in August. Yeah, that's true as well. <laughs> like, like they did with the Australia seasons. So, we are both huge Apprentice fans. I know I said this for Hunted as well, but we're both huge Apprentice fans. We are, although I have taken a little bit of a break recently. This is going to be the first season I'm coming into full-on uh, for a while. I think I, I think I watched the first eight, nine seasons pretty much religiously. Last couple, I kind of dipped in and out. I barely watched the last one at all. So it's, it's good to come back revitalised and refreshed and with a whole new perspective and, and to see that while I've been gone, they've clearly learnt so much from previous seasons. My problem with the past couple of series is that because it's moved to the I'm going to invest in your company model, the winners tend to be stupid and horrid, horrid people. Like Joseph last year was an arsehole. Yeah. There's no better word for him. He was an arsehole. It's certainly brought out a lot more self-interested people, hasn't it? A lot more egotistical, entrepreneurial, I don't take any shit from anybody kind of characters, which we've always had a little bit of, but now that's all of them. Well, the argument last year was basically, pick Joseph, who's a safe, if horrendously boring choice, or pick Varna, who could have made him a lot of money, and spoilers, she has made a lot of money already, because she's got angel investors instead, and take a gamble. And in the past, he's taken a gamble. Like Leah, mm. who was the... I'm not going to give Botox to young girls. Proceeds to then give Botox to young girls. She's made him a shit ton of money. Yep. And he took a gamble there over uh, Louise's cupcake business. I'm quite impressed that I can still remember all the business plans. I'm very impressed. But in the past, he's taken a gamble. And he really made a terrible choice last year. In my humble opinion. No, I, th I think you're right. As I say, I wasn't that close to the last season, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have gone in that direction. But hey. We don't have the 250 grand to give away to, to whoever we want. Sadly not. Which, which you know, looking at the calibre this season, probably not too bad. Maybe when we start winning quizzes. <laughs> yes, maybe. That would be interesting. 
We can be angel investors. Yeah, what are you going to do with the prize money? Well, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get some random guy with a stupid business plan. We're going to put him through 16 weeks of hell. I would love to see someone put that on a a game show application. <laughs> what, what are you going to do with the money? I'm going to just give it to the, to the random loser of The Apprentice and invest in their company. Hey, that's that's not a bad idea, is it? Just always pick the losing finalist and invest in them and see whether you come out on top. That would be interesting. I would love to see someone try and justify that on television, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bradley Walsh asks someone on the chase, what are you going to do with the money if you win? Yeah, I'm going to invest it in uh, whoever loses The Apprentice this year. Cue some producer going, can you just say you're going on holiday, please? Just, just, just do that. Yeah, just say you're going to Florida or Australia or wherever else you... That everyone says is going to go on the chase. Absolutely, yeah. Keep it simple. Don't don't yeah. confuse the viewers. Yeah. Don't don't break the fourth wall. The Apprentice doesn't exist here. We're in the chase. I'm disappointed I didn't go and see um, Anne in Panto because she did come to my town. Oh, that would be awesome. She, I would definitely do that. But the theatre was actually is actually down the road from me, and I I didn't know until the actual day. I think. Uh, but she was in Panto here, uh, about. February, March time, I think it was. Missed opportunity, mate. I know. I missed out on seeing Mark LeBette in the Isle of Wight. He was there like a week and a half after we came back. And we get the usual hyperbole in the intros, which is one of my favourite things every year because of classics such as Don't Tell Me this, uh, The Sky's the Limit When There's Footprints on the Moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we get two particularly stellar ones this year. We get Dylan saying, I'm the business equivalent of a diamond, I sparkle in the light of a room, but could cut you if I'm if you're not careful. Yeah. What do you think of Dylan? Because all I did pre-season, or pre-series I should say, because it's British, is look at their pictures. Dylan was probably one of my favourites just because he looks ridiculous. He does look ridiculous. I was trying to think what he looks like. He he looks like yeah, he looks like Action Man's granddad. That's the only thing I can think. He's just, he just doesn't look real. No, he does look like he's made of plastic. Yeah, very odd. Piercing blue eyes, but yeah, just a strange guy. I think he might have paid a visit to Dr. Leah. <laughs> yes, you might be right. <laughs> yeah, he's very smooth, isn't he? Yeah, he's shiny. Although he's, he's only 37. He looks a lot older than that. Yeah. He looks like, he looks like a guy in his 50s who's looked after himself. I'm not sure on Dylan. I do not get a good feeling about Dylan. No, I think he's going to be one of those people who gets fired quite early for doing something quite stupid. Yes, I think so. Um, And that whole, I'm famous for the truth bomb, I tell people what they need to hear and all of that kind of malarkey. I hate it when people say that. That is basically just, I'm really rude, but here I am trying to justify why I'm really rude, and it just annoys me. Oh, on the Amazing Race uh, Asia preview, I had to explain to Logan what banter really means. <laughs> yeah, Dylan gives me the creeps, if I'm brutally honest. I don't like him. I hope he doesn't stay around too long, but knowing my look, he may well do. He's not as creepy as Cormac and Nicole doing creepy workouts together, but he's up there. <laughs> yeah. On the creepy scale, he is veering towards Cormac and Nicole's mother-son workout level. There, yeah, this. As they say around here, there's somewhat not right about him. Yeah. So we shall we shall see how that one pans out. And the other person who gets an interesting intro soundbite is Karthik, 
who says that I am an emperor and true leader. A country isn't enough, a continent isn't enough. I want the world. Yep, he wants the world. He should maybe start out with his monobrow, but hey. Again, an interesting character. I, I'm I'm warming to Kartik a little bit, or a big K, as he's decided he's calling himself. I, I was wondering if he got his uh, curly K and kicking K mixed up, because he seems more like a big C than a big K. Um, but no, I, I started to warm to him a little bit. Um, he, he's, he's one of your classic apprentice pantomime characters, isn't he? And that inevitably... His ego is going to come and bite him, which will be hilarious, and I, I can deal with that. Without Ben having seen the episode yet, I can guarantee that he will complain about uh, Karsik, uh calling the girls the chicks. Oh, absolutely. And and I think, to be honest, the blokes in the cab probably did, but it got cut. Yeah. It felt like they were about to go, seriously, what did you just say? And then someone decided, uh, leave it in. Yeah, he he's not going to make the final... Having no. said that, I said that about Joseph last year, and look where that got me. So, yeah, I think it is less likely with this guy. Um, I, I think he might go all right. I think he might get midway, um, but it depends. So much depends on whether he ends up getting thrown under the bus the week he's PM, doesn't it? Really. Yeah. So, he'll probably give us a few moments along the way. And uh, Sugar says that he's personally responsible for five businesses not going under, despite one in four businesses going under for some reason. Yeah, which is all down to him mentoring it. Only that. I'm not sure whether he's including Susan Marr in that or not. I haven't done the maths because I only watched The Apprentice this morning. But he's had Tom, Ricky, Leah, um, Mark, Mark, and Joseph. So yeah, he's not including Susan in that. He bankrolled one of the runners-up of the first investment season. Ah, okay. He bankrolled Susan's Tropic Skincare. I right. They didn't actually do the final task. They did interviews as the last task that year. So Susan pitched that to him, and he didn't think she was ready, but then about six weeks later invested in her anyway. Interesting. So actually he's made six businesses successful. Hmm. And then we get everyone's introductions in the boardroom. So Karthik prefers to be called Big K, and we will not be calling him that. No, I don't think we'll be calling him that. Uh, Alana makes cakes. And reacts badly to being shouted at, which is absolutely why I suspect she's been cast. <laughs> I want to see her reactions, because it's highly unlikely that we're going to go more than two episodes without her being shouted at. So, could be good. And um, Sugar likes to make sausage puns with Oliver. Of course, of course he does. That's that's like a gift for for Alan Sugar, isn't it? Even though his lower third is basically food manufacturer, Sugar just focuses in on the um, the sausage. Yeah, and even even the narrator later on calls him Sausage Supremo, so he's in on the gag too. And then the star of our series. <laughs> <laughs> Before I watched the episode, I was warned of only one thing, and that was Jessica. Did I disappoint you with my prediction that you would like Jessica? You did not, because Jessica is everything I want in a character. She is brilliant. She is nuts. <laughs> my only concern is that we had so much of Jessica this week to the point where there were other people that didn't get a look in. My only concern is that's because she goes out really early. 
Yeah, they were hinting at her maybe going next week. Yeah, which was kind of the saving grace for me because if you follow the rules of reality TV, if they hint that someone's going next week, they're usually safe, aren't they? So I'm hoping that will come true. I'll be really upset. If she goes out next week, then firstly, from a personal point of view, I'm going to be gutted because I love her. But that really is going to make a big hole in this cast unless they've deliberately buried people who've got big personalities while she can shine. Yeah, on, the only exception to that rule is Hunted, because Hunted seems to be uh, signposting every single boot ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, normally it's a fairly safe bet. If, if if production is sending you in one direction, it's because they want you to go that way so they can so they can hashtag blindside you next week. Yeah. I'm quite proud of the fact that I managed to avoid spoilers for 13 and a half hours or whatever it was after I watched it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good going. Yeah, so, so Jessica. Oh, wow. She's very nervous and excitable, and oh. Blood Sugar is going to find her so unbelievably annoying every time he deals with her, and it's going to be wonderful, wonderful television. She's just one of those people, and I am a little bit guilty of this, who just does not have a filter, just talks, 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 talks. Yep. And backs herself into corners. Yep, and that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, I am so looking forward to Please, please, please let her stay for at least half a dozen episodes. That would be great. I've got a feeling she's PM next week as well. Oh, that doesn't bode well. I think she might be PM. They were certainly pointing at it. They seem to be a lot more secretive about who PMs are this year. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the past couple of years where I've been able to pinpoint who's the PM of each team. And also, they didn't release the team names beforehand for the first time ever. It was probably because they were so good. <clears throat> yeah, they weren't classics, but usually they at least give us a hint of what the team names are. Yeah, not this year. They're pretty no. poor. I mean, we've got one team. The, the guys have decided to name themselves after a brand of condoms, which, you know, seems appropriate, seeing as they're a bunch of dicks. And uh, we've got the women who've decided they're going to be Team Nebulous, as I've decided to call them. <laughs> it seems so much more appropriate to be Team Nebulous. Vague, ill-defined, unclear, hazy, muddled and confused. That seems perfectly appropriate for their first task. There is always one team name where Sugar just rips them apart. The best one ever was a couple of years ago the women wanted to name themselves Decadence <laughs> because it was the 10th series oh god <laughs> and it got the they did the first task as Decadence Sugar got, got to the bottom and went you're not calling yourself Decadence or Sugar Babes which was the alternative pick a proper name <laughs> what did they go with I can't remember off the top of my head but I'll be able to tell you be some other tired, hackneyed cliche that means successful. Tenacity they went with. Oh, yeah. Because it was the 10 series. Tenacity. Well, that's better. Yeah. I suspect that went out to a creative agency. And Sugar also, for the first time ever, directly warns them there will be double firings, there will be triple firings. Yeah, and do you know what? That is one of the things I really like about this show is that it's not got that predictable, okay, they've all screwed up, but only one of them's going home. I love it when he boots a few of them out. It's brilliant. Well, that's why they increase the cast size. Mm. 
because there was a few instances in early series where Sugar wanted to fire more than one person, but physically couldn't because the show wouldn't have worked. Yeah. That's a good change. I think that, yeah. that is, it gives you that element of surprise. And it does mean if they really right royally screw up, then you don't get someone just scraping through when they should go home. And um, I am a more in favor of that. That's a good move. But yeah, that's that's why they moved up to 16, 18, 20 person yeah. casts. They've had a, they did have a 20 person cast and it was a little bit bloated. So the first task is taking a storage unit of stuff and selling its contents to the public at car boot sales in the market stall and also to trade. The team who makes the most money wins and the losing team doesn't. And this is basically the smell what sells task. Usually they leave this sort of task to sort of the middle of the series. Yeah, yeah. normally the first task normally a fairly straightforward task, isn't it? Yeah, it's normally make coffee or sausages or fish. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing where we get a bit of comedy because they screw up the process or they spend seven hours <laughs> making making sandwiches that cost 15 quid each or something and then they fail to sell them. The best one ever for a uh, a creation task is probably still the sandalwood mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Just Nick Hewer's reactions in that of, and guess how much you spent on perfumes? £900. Yeah. £900, shit! Yeah, always check your measurements. Yeah. <laughs> always check what you're using. Yeah, too. And after a brief diversion last year of switching the teams up, it's back to boys versus girls this year, which I hate. Yeah, I hate it with a passion because it brings out the same old cliches that we're going to get trotted out, the same, almost identical to the same cliches we get on Hell's Kitchen every year, which is, oh, we're women in a men's world, we're going to prove that we, we're better than them, followed by the blokes going, oh, they're only women, we can beat them. It uh, drives birds. Yeah, yeah, chicks <laughs> as, as big K. So I can say big K as long as I say it in a tone of voice that means I don't mean it. Uh, yeah, it, it drives me potty. I don't know why they continue to do this gender split because it never ends well. The official reason behind it is to make it easier for us to identify who's on what team. Yeah. It's the reason why Survivor One World did men versus women tribes rather than having two mixed tribes originally. Yeah, I don't buy that. But I much prefer it when we have... Like last year, we had a 6-3 split on each team. Yeah. Which yeah. which is nice, because then you get... Because production chose who to swap, you got all the crazies on one team, basically. Yeah, I, th- I think you can have more fun with the teams, because you can, you can start to set some specific dynamics in, in motion. Um, and it just avoids all the, all the wasted time of cliches about about gender that are just ridiculous and 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 sooner or later that he's going to mix them up anyway and then magically all of those things disappear so it just yeah i i am not a fan of, of gender division teams because of that with both apprentice and hell's kitchen i much prefer early and frequent swaps yes. than keeping them in the same teams forever and ever and ever yeah i'm probably a fan of that in most shows to be honest because it just mixes things up doesn't it Hell's Kitchen has sort of shied away from doing it a lot recently. Hell's Kitchen, we've only had sort of one or two a year. We used to have like three or four. Yeah. I would rather we got ridiculous amounts of them, personally. Yeah, I, I yeah, just keep mixing it up, because every time you do, you're going to create some different personality clashes. Yeah. And to be honest, if you're watching reality TV, that's, that's what you want. You need a bit of drama, you need a bit of friction. 
And as soon as they start to get settled and know each other's strengths and weaknesses, then that will inevitably start to disappear. And, you know, we're not watching The Apprentice because we want them to do really well, are we? Let's no. Be, let's be perfectly honest. You know, for the for the first 10 weeks, it's going to be, let's see who makes the most stupid mistake this week. You know, so mix it up. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe they will. Maybe that's what they'll do. Yeah. So Dylan is the king of the truth bomb. Uh, Karthik calls the girls the chicks. And his way is also a separate superhighway. Another terrible Apprentice cliche. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jessica says that she's the female Jim Carrey. Yeah, and, and it was only towards the end of the episode I realised truly what she meant. What she meant was she does the same gag over and over again. Oh, I nearly dropped oh. it. Oh, I nearly dropped it again. <laughs> that was funny, though. It was funny. <laughs> Less so the fourth or fifth time she nearly dropped something, but still funny. It was just funny for me that she thought it was funny. <laughs> every time yeah yeah oh just pick up the experts files. i hope this isn't priceless oh nearly dropped it <laughs> she is gonna be brilliant but uh yeah get some more gags as well please jessica and the men's team originally suggested they should be called assassin which will go down like a fart in a lift yeah i'm michael from the assassin team can i call you about my business no. Uh, then Upper Echelon. They really are running out of cliches that mean successful now, aren't they? Yeah, then Alpha, which I've just looked through the records. Alpha has never been a team name in the UK, which I'm surprised about. It is quite surprising, isn't it? But I'm pretty sure America have used it. Uh, they could well have been. I, I would like it if one year they said, do you know what, instead of wasting an hour, why don't we just be called Team One? <laughs> why don't we be called The Men's Team? Yeah. Which could get interesting by about episode six. But yeah, yeah, why do they do that every year? They've got the task and they've got a team name. Of those two things, I promise you, the task is more important. It's still not going to beat the American one, which was uh, KOTU or Kings of the Universe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where do they come up with this rubbish? I don't know. But then they settle on uh, Titans. Yay. What a great name. Well done. Bravo. The women's team are obviously fans of the Odin cinema chain because they try to go for Limitless first. Then they show their knowledge of BBC tech shows and they want to go for Click. Yeah, and that goes down well. And then they end up going for <laughs> Nebula. Nebulous. You've got to get it right, mate. So Paul assumes the project manager role of, of Titans because of his habit of watching Bargain Hunt. Which, you know, as good a reason as any. I love the way that everybody tries to pretend that they really want to be project manager whilst at the same time making it really clear that they don't. Yeah. It's, I just love that. But you can't blame them, can you? Because this early in the game, if you're PM and you lose, you've got a real uphill battle on your hands. I haven't done the stats on it, but I feel like more often than not, the PM goes home on the first week. Yeah, almost always. Yeah, I, I likewise, I haven't done the stats, but, you know, anecdotally, I would say you have a pretty strong chance of going home if you lose the first task. Yeah, it's a pretty even split, actually. So, really? Yeah, okay. eight, it just eight, maybe seems that way. Eight people who were brought back, seven people mm, who were PM. I certainly would avoid it like the plague if, if it was me. Um, yeah, but I also wouldn't go on The Apprentice. 
yeah i probably wouldn't either but if i were in that position and i was in the team i would avoid being pm week one i'm not sure i have enough ties i definitely don't although the ties i have are definitely better than um Kutik's ties did you see that abomination yeah oh, it was awful <laughs> Like some Poundland Christmas alien tie or something. And and did you hear what he said? We don't wear ties in IT. We go to work in flip-flops and Hawaiian shirts. Now, I work with a lot of people who work in IT. I've never seen them wear that. Maybe it's different for Celtic. <laughs> yeah, maybe on his own superhighway, that's what people wear. He's got a nice tie, actually, in the publicity shots. That would have been fine. I love how this is just boiling down to sartorial choices. Well, there's not a lot else to go on, really, is there? To be fair. I'm colourblind, for God's sake. I mean, if you want, we can go on to why does Mackay wear a different dicky bow at various points during the episode. But... See, see, that's cool. <laughs> no, but it's not. The, the person who, wear, who wears a bow tie every year tends to be either cray-cray or really entertaining, or both. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it does reveal a little bit about personality, but not that we got to see any of Mackay's this week. Hopefully that'll come out. They do tend to be the wacky person of the uh, the men's team, whoever wears the bow tie. Yeah. And on the other side, on Nebulous, uh, Michelle assumes the project manager role purely because she's managed people before and no one else wants it. Yeah, at least they're a little bit more obvious about it. Clearly nobody wants to do it on that team, and so she gets lumbered with it. But every time, the advisors always complain, oh, no one no one ever steps up for the project manager role. Why would you? You're managing, well, exactly. people, you're managing people you don't know. You're managing people you don't know who are all egocentric, all, want to, are all out to win, even from day one, who seem to miss the concept that if your team doesn't lose, you don't go home. They, you don't have to win in week one. So, yeah, why, why would you want to lead these bunch of nutters? Yeah. Uh, so Nebulous decide to price low and try and sell everything, and Tyson start high and are willing to negotiate down. Yeah, uh, if ever there was a team, this is not the task of sell it, sell it, sell it, because no. that's because that's the week when you don't <laughs> traditionally. That's the week you spend three hours fannying around deciding how you're going to sell it, and then the one time they actually get their arse into gear and start selling stuff is the one time they shouldn't have done. Three words sum up this task, and it smell what sells. Nothing else matters. The focus is on getting the most money for everything you sell, rather than selling everything. Yeah. Especially as this is a task where you're not charged for the products you don't sell. Yeah, I was going to say that. If there's no fines, then there's no pressure to... I suppose every penny counts, you're going to get more in the pot. But without the fines, you don't need to go as quite as crazy as, as they did do. No, I'm. I'm hoping this year we get a return to the um, to the wondrousness that is the international. Here's your list of ten items. Go find them. Challenge. Oh, that's my favourite challenge every year. That is <laughs> because I don't know how people cock it up so badly. I know, but they always do. It's lovely. Nothing is ever going to beat the Dubai one with uh, Leah just tearing her PM a new arsehole because he said he knew Dubai like the back of his hand and then lost miserably. But. <laughs> yeah. It's great every year. Or trying to yeah. sell cheese to the French. Yes. I, I, I like the Dover Calais ones. They always make me laugh when they uh, usually end up buying mussels from some backstreet seller in Dover. <laughs> and um, everyone gets a three in the morning wake-up call, which is nice for them. 
Which is nice, but in hindsight, can, seems completely unnecessary. It's not like they're buying fresh fish. Why do they need to get up at 3 a.m.? I don't know. Other than to really annoy them, which I'm all in favour of. I think it was so they could be at Wimbledon for 6 o'clock in the morning, and they also had to look at their storage lockers. Yeah. But then again, they could probably have done it a little bit later. I think they probably could have done it a lot later, but it winds them up, so oh, that's all good. Yeah, I think it was purely just to get them sleep-deprived and pissed off at each other and snapping. Yeah, definitely. There's no other reason that you would do it. And Jessica gets maybe the quote of the episode when she says, if I find some diamonds, they're going down my bra. Go straight down my bra. <laughs> it's just the way she said it as well. I'm going straight down my bra. She's a good Derbyshire lass, is our Jessica. Um, uh, yeah, she's great. She's getting all the good lines. She's getting all the good bits. Uh, and then and then we get the uh, the good old uh, the forewarning of what's about to come when Michelle decides that the strategy here is to sell hard, sell fast. Yeah. No, that's literally the opposite of what Alan said, like the previous day when he said, "Don't do that. Take your time. Get the price. Don't rush about like lunatics. Think about the value." Surely it should tip them off that there is a an expert involved who will tell you how much stuff is worth. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? I thought they did a good job of um, getting the stuff together, actually, because it wasn't immediately obvious what was going to be valuable and what wasn't. There was a few hints, you know. The, the not very nice-looking glass vases are clearly very valuable. You well, should yeah. know that. If you've ever watched any episode of Antiques Roadshow, you would know that if it looks a bit like that, it's probably going to be worth more than you think. And also... Things are there for a reason. Yes. That reason may just be to trip you up, but if it looks like shit, it probably isn't. Exactly. I didn't. I couldn't imagine for a second that that chair was going to be worth anything. Three hundred quid. I know. Get an IKEA. M- must have been proper leather and everything, but still. Yeah, I think it must have been three hundred quid. Wanna pay that? So Paul has absolutely no plan as PM, and is just winging it. Yeah. Why not? Go for it. Just leg one, what could possibly go wrong? Being the being the PM with no plan? Sounds perfect. And the the first port of call for both teams is stalls at a car boot sale in Wimbledon, which they have for six hours from six in the morning. It's not a car boot that I recognise where people are willing to spend 175 quid on stuff. No, typical London, I think. But Yeah, very interesting. Not, not seeing that. The car boots I've been at, people basically want to want everything for nothing out of your boot before you've set up. I did recognise that bit where the, where the women's team was selling stuff literally out of the back of the van. And then we get the return of Claude Littner and his implausible reactions to uh, to the girls' team. He's certainly taken on the legacy of the eye roll beautifully from Nick, hasn't he? He, he hasn't reached the levels of Maggie Mountford or Old Lemonface yet, but he's up there. Yeah, he's doing a pretty good job, is Claude. I still think that Claude is best served by always being at the interviews and just scaring the living bejesus out of everyone. That always was one of my favourite things, is seeing how they would come up against Claude. Uh, yeah, I miss that a bit. But I, I I do miss Maggie Mountford and Old Lemonface. I'm not going to lie. Mm. No, they were... They were... They're part of the furniture, aren't they? They're good. As much as, much as I like these guys, I, I really like Karen Brady as well. I think she's... Uh, She's normally pretty on point with her criticisms, but yeah, it's not quite the same. Yeah, I'm hoping Maggie Mountford returns for the interviews this year, because she did miss them last year. Mm. Last year was the first time that she'd actually not appeared in any series. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to see her back. But I think she was just unavailable last year from from memory. I, th- I think she was invited and unavailable, sadly. So, Claude doesn't rate the nebulous effort due to the lack of pricing strategy. Yeah, what always bugs me is there's always someone who does something that they know is stupid and then blames it on the fact that they haven't been told not to do stupid stuff. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I sold the vases for 15 quid, but you know, hey-ho, get on with the job. No, don't get on with the job because you now screwed yourselves over if you there's, there's no point don't don't be on the losing team that's the way to win this not oh it's all right if we lose because i'll just throw the pm under the bus it really annoys me if something is wrong say it is wrong and do something about it as i've said before boring television wins you this sort of show be competent be smart never get brought back in never and you don't get brought in if you don't lose the task. That is guaranteed. Sugar does sometimes fire people for never being brought back in because he doesn't have a relationship with them. But if you're competent and you don't have any faults, you can't lose. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, I saw the vases, but no, you should do what's right. The first sale is Francis from Nebulous selling the 300 quid chair for £17.50. Yeah, and and being delighted about it. I love that little speech from Frances. She was like 17, I was like 18, and it was like, we're on (laughs) 17.50? Oh my god. But the best thing about this is, it doesn't even get brought up in the boardroom. I know, because there's even more catastrophic stupidity. How on earth does she escape without any damage when she sold a 300 quid chair for £17.50? Because Michelle hasn't got a clue and doesn't know who to bring back and therefore she commits the ritual sacrifice that is The Apprentice. She she sold it for a 94% loss. Hey! 94! The other hilarious thing is they sold it at car boot, so there's a pretty good chance that the person buying it was sat there last night watching the show going, what? I've given that to Auntie Mabel. Yeah, I'm putting it back up. <laughs> yeah, that'll be on eBay tonight, I tell you. <laughs> Signed by Apprentice contestants. Yes. And then that's followed up immediately by Sophie Ann selling something for £175. I know. Who, who does that? Who's wandering around car boot sales thinking, yeah, £175? Because, I mean, even if it looks kosher, you've got absolutely no comeback. You've got no provenance on it at all. You are really gambling that that is the real thing. I've never known that to happen, but good luck to him. As much as the personality trait of Sophie-Anne is the sort of person who I hate, hate, Yeah, he was very good this episode. He, he was extremely competent and even, even got credit from his PM, which normally they're quite keen to take for themselves, aren't they? So, yeah, he did, he did do a really good job. I don't particularly like him either, but, yeah, as as, as tasks go, he did a good job. Paul was very, very lucky to have him on his team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The market team won the task point blank. Oh, yeah. They, they took over double, didn't they? Took over a grand. And and he was right. And, you know, this kind of goes against what we've seen a lot on The Apprentice. He was right to stick to his guns and not, not negotiate down and just get a sale. You know, there has been many tasks in the past where that would have really bitten him. But I think he, he got it. He understood that... Do you know what? We haven't been given this stuff for no reason. Some of this is going to really be worth something. And, and 
if if I get a sniff that this this is worth something, then I'm going to stick to it and see what happens. And, and fair play to them because it worked. Yeah. So with their various experts, the Titans team uh, leave their experts around ten forty-five a.m. and Nebulous leave when it's past twelve. Yeah, never a good sign, is it that? So Michelle ignores their experts' advice and goes to Camden instead of Portobello Road, and she also sends her car boot team there as well. I, I struggled with this though. Everybody, literally everybody, from both sides is going. Yeah, you want to go to Portobello Road? It's the biggest antiques place in the world. And she goes, Yeah, but my gut's telling me to go to Camden. Why? What? Where does that even come from? I think that Michelle might have been watching Hammerots. Right, go on. Because Hammerot's visit to London went to both Portobello Road and Camden Market. Because I know, because I did the Tartals. Uh, I've been to Camden Market recently as well, and it's not it's not where I would have gone to sell that kind of stuff. I believe the Hammerot's task at Camden Market was to convince locals to donate their clothing to a mannequin, which they then had to tr- transport somewhere. Uh, yeah, I can see that working in Camden Lock, but not selling high class stuff but i don't know I, I don't know it that well i've only visited briefly but it didn't strike me as that's where i'd go if i had a load of high-end antiques to shift but there must have been some reason as opposed to the portobello road task where they went to the clock center and had to notice one clock that was different that would tell them their next clue oh that's my kind of clue i love those things they only had about two minutes to search through the shop every time oh even better so this is also the point in the episode where Oliver is called a sausage supremo and he feels underappreciated by his project manager. Yeah, rightly so. I, I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more from Ollie. He's, they're clearly pushing that sausage supremo thing for a reason, so I'm sure it's going to be picked up for some reason. I mean, other than it's just quite funny. And Ollie, feeling under, underappreciated, immediately then tries to sell a chair and trolley for £300 to a guy, gets a deal and then finds out that he doesn't actually have the authority to do a deal. Yeah, which Karen comes down really hard on. And that, to me, feels a little bit unfair, because I think it's a fair assumption that in that kind of place, the person working there probably does trade. Nine times out of ten, that's going to be a sole trader. That's going to be one guy, one man band, who absolutely does have the authority. And it's, you know, that kind of results-oriented logic that says because it went wrong, it's because you didn't do something right, and I don't think that's the case. Have they asked at every other shop? I doubt it very much, and it's never been a problem anywhere else. So she can make a big deal about, oh, you should check that they've got authority to buy. I I think that's a bit unfair. Yeah. And Michelle's van is sent to Camden, and they forget to tell their driver that they're making a diversion, meaning that the stuff isn't there when they uh, actually want to do another deal. Which is brilliant. I, uh, that that just sums up the way that that team was operating at the time, doesn't it? They're <laughs> just a mess. Are communications a bit of a problem in your team? No, no, everything's fine. Apart from we forgot to tell the van driver not to go to Camden. <laughs> <laughs> Did you also notice the lovely pun from the guy doing the narration when he said they're pushing a drinks trolley? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I like stuff like that. And I know that Hunted and The Apprentices were against each other last night, but why did Hunter Julie appear in the episode? I didn't see that. Have you not noticed that Rebecca is the spitting image of Julie? Uh, oh, yeah. I can see it now. 
Yeah, I she, can see She it. looks like a younger Hunter Julie, and I'm very tempted to tweet her to ask whether um, Rebecca is her daughter or something. Because they are very, very similar looking ladies. A lot taller, I think, Rebecca. But yeah, 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 there is definitely a similarity there. And the best bit of the entire episode was Claude's bemused uh, look when Jessica's just shouting at the phone at the market. <laughs> Yeah. You just see Claude off to the side just looking really perplexed at her. Yeah. We're by the robots. Come and find us. What robots? <laughs> the big massive ones that are right in front of you. They yeah, are marvellous. And uh, the Nebulous team on the trade side get some sales but at much lower prices than the expert said. Then Titans have a closing sale and slash prices. And then that is it for the task. It did seem, even at that point, fairly obvious which way this was going to me. I don't think they could have edited it. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that. I was thinking, is there any way they could have hidden it? And I, and I think that's why they were doing the whole, the blokes were having a bit of a fire sale at the end, in the, the hope that we might think, oh, they're going to sell something really valuable for nothing. But no, it was all fine. I think usually they struggle with tasks like this where they really, really cannot hide who's going to win. No. We know from the bit at the start that it's not even going to be the biggest bloodbath of the series. There is a creaming coming for one team. This clearly isn't the catastrophic disaster that it appears. So, no. hmm, we'll see where that goes. But also, a highlight of the episode for me was the 18-person shit show that was the Good morning, Lord Sugar. Oh, I know. Come on, sort your choreography out, guys. I love that so much because it is so unbelievably rehearsed normally. But it was a complete and utter mess. It was dreadful. They have had no practice whatsoever. I wonder how many takes they took at that. Not enough, clearly. <laughs> if that was the best take, God help them. Yeah. And uh, Alana tries to defend her lack of pricing strategy. And Trishna finally speaks up and says that she's from London and they really should have gone to Portobello Market. Yeah, and I, I loved I loved the bit when uh, when Lord Sugar says, uh, "So I hear you were selling straight away." And they go, "Yeah, yeah, we got straight yeah, into great. it. We were selling stuff. It was going really well." <laughs> yeah, about that. There was something that was brought up on your fired. Um, it was Natalie, I think. Natalie was the one who was asked who sold the vases. Yes, she was. Yes. Yeah. Lord Sugar asked the team, asked the women in um, in the boardroom who. Who sold the vases first? Uh, and Natalie said, "Yes, it was me, Lord Sugar," and sort of did a happy dance that, "Oh, I've been called upon." Yeah. Um, and then he told her that actually she sold them fifteen quid when they were worth three hundred, and there was an audible fuck. <laughs> I didn't pick up on it on my watch, but they pointed it out on your fired. She whispered quite loudly, "Fuck." <laughs> Brilliant. And then said, "I'm sorry." Yeah, she said, "I'm, I'm sorry." Very Canadian. Um, but Michelle said that she noticed it and um, sort of thought, oh, maybe that's a reason to bring it back in the boardroom, because if Lord Sugar heard that, then she'll get fired. <laughs> that it really is clutching at straws at that stage, isn't it? Um, and Courtney starts talking about crowning the jewels. I know, brilliant. I, I thought for a minute Mark Wright was back with his rocket surgery. Don't remind me of him, he was an asshole. So the Titans trade team sell £371. Uh, Nebulas sell 540. Uh, the public takings for Nebulas is £419, breaking them to 959 But the public takings for 
Titans is £1,057.10, bringing them to a total of £1,428.10, and winning them the task quite considerably. By an absolute mile. And they win a swing dance lesson, with a group no one's ever heard of, and Nebula get a trip to the Bridge Cafe. Only it's not the Bridge Cafe. It isn't. I vaguely remember that they've had some sort of refit now and rebrand, I think. I, uh, that is what I am led to understand. So they actually went to La Cabana Cafe, which is on an industrial estate in Wilsdon. And with the women's loss, this now brings it to um, an equal split of which team loses the first task in a gender split season. Ah, that's interesting. It's now 8-8. Eight, eight. And Michelle has the traditional reality TV cliche of, I'm not here to make friends. And her entire team's tactic is basically described as a fire sale. Which I think is pretty accurate. They were yeah. Pretty much, yeah, not only did it describe the way that they tackled the getting rid of the stuff, but pretty much the way they operated throughout the day. Everything was reactive. It was all panic, panic, panic. Um, which you can only blame one person for, can't you, really? Yep, that is the project manager. You can't be a PM and then say the problem with this task was a lack of organisation and try and palm it off on someone else. Yeah. That does not work. You know, there's a lack of organisation and leadership was an issue, says the PM. So she brings in Alana and Hunter Julie's daughter, Rebecca. (laughs) And Rebecca's brought back because of her sales of £25. Yeah, but again, missing the point, because the issue wasn't, lack of selling it was not understanding what the task was about so that that is a doomed move from the outset because alan's not going to send them home for not selling in this task no and alana is brought back due to the lack of leadership she showed in the sub team yeah which just goes to show even more of weakness in michelle and he talked about her negotiation skills and yeah but it's only going one way really she could have picked anybody from from either of the sub team, you know, her team, the main team or the sub team, Michelle was always going home. And surprisingly, she gets fired. Yeah. But still thinks Rebecca should have got fired. As, as they always do. Um, and, and ends with the good old thanks for the opportunity, which one day I'm hoping somebody actually says something they mean as they walk out the boardroom. Someone just says, you know what, Lord Sugar? Take your job and shove it up your ass. Yes, I would love that. Uh, so next time, jeans, jeans, jeans. Yeah. Uh, teams need to create a advertising campaign for jeans. Jessica cries and Lord Sugar fires a loose cannon. And I'm pretty sure your fired spoils which team loses already. <laughs> oh, okay, I've not seen it, but I will. Your fired always has an extra scene at the end, and it shows Karen saying to the team that she's watching you'll go to film an advert advertising jeans and your jeans haven't even arrived. That doesn't bode well. And I'm pretty sure the Apprentice original clip showed that she follows the girls' team next week. Ah, interesting. Two weeks running. That's not a good start. So, on your fired, we found out that Michelle doesn't think it would have worked out with Lord Sugar because she hates being told what to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably... Not a real, not something you should find out in hindsight. I think I, you know, call, call me controversial, but I would say Alan Sugar kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. I think it's fairly obvious what you're getting yourself yeah. into, really. And she lost um, in the vote at the end. Uh, three people said she should have been fired, including the audience, and um, one person said Rebecca should have been fired. 
Yeah. Really? Was that, did that one person not see the episode? It was more of a pity vote than anything. Oh, I okay. Think. They just don't, they don't want to go in home feeling yeah. bad. And, and in your fire, did she still believe that Rebecca should yeah. have gone? Yeah, okay. I suppose that's kind of a... It's a, it's the kind of flip side of having the confidence to be entrepreneurial is that they also tend to be completely oblivious to any kind of criticism and, and feel like they're, they're made of Teflon. You see that a lot with that kind of personality type. Yeah. So is there anything else to say about this episode? I don't think so. Um, not a stellar opening no. for me. Um, solid, I would say. Uh, this could this could go one of two ways. If we lose the wrong people early on, it's going to be dull as hell. If we keep them long enough, it could get really interesting. I don't think it helps that they really couldn't hide who was going. <laughs> no, it no. That's that's very true. So maybe next week, if it's a little bit less obvious which way it's going, and also, yeah, not only did we clearly see which team was going to lose from very early on but also there was only one person that could ever have gone home so a bit more of uh, possibilities of of who's going and i think it could could it could be good next week so thank you for listening to this view from the black hair podcast you can join us every week to recap the series if you've got any questions feel free to contact us on our facebook page rctv warriors on our twitter account rtv warriors our own twitter pages mj hamster for me and bullsboy for anthony and thank you and see you next week Thanks for the opportunity.